That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, because angels showing up is terrifying. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by his sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, uh, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, which is a lot, praising God and saying, uh, let's go to the New King James Version, glory to God in the highest and on earth, goodwill towards man. So we've been exploring the idea of of peace on earth uh, because ultimately when you read this Bible verse and you hear in Isaiah 9 verse 6 that, that Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, you might be wondering to yourself, when is this peace on earth coming? When do we get it? When does it arrive? Because it seems like our world is in a little bit of chaos right now, a little bit of disorder. It feels very divisive. There's crazy things. Like I mean, I was excited the other day. The SWAT team was out in Spruce Grove. I mean, it just seems like a chaotic, it seems like a chaotic time. I thought it was awesome, but obviously the people involved in the situation did not. And, um, the world seems like you can't even say something without people attacking you. We cannot agree to disagree, and we cannot have agreeable disagreements. All we can do is fight and yell and attack and make fun of Donald Trump. It's, at least it's the one thing, I guess, that brings everybody together, regardless of your politics, is we can agree his tweets are insane. So we look at this world and we're like, wow. When will the world be nice and clean and tidy and in order? But I would contend that I don't know that the world ever will be until a new heaven and a new earth, nice, clean, tidy, and in order for the main reason that there are humans on this earth. And in the same way, a stable will never be clean because there's always a donkey. This earth will never be messy, tidy, and clean because we as human beings exist and we are prone to making mistakes. It's a reality of our existence. There's only one perf- perfect person that ever walked the face of this earth, and no, it's not your wife. His name is Jesus Christ. And so for the rest of us, we have to realize that we are going to live in a perpetual state of requiring mercy and grace. That's why the Bible says in Lamentations that his mercy are, is new every morning because we're in need of it every single morning. We make mess. So where do we find this peace? Last week we looked at this very idea of where do we find peace. And I believe that peace is not the absence of problems, pain, or hostility. Peace is, in fact, the presence of Jesus. If you want to listen back last week, you can pick up with where we are, but we're going to continue along this, this uh, thinking. But we need to understand that first, a few things started in chaos. So out of chaos comes some great things. I believe Christmas started in chaos. We, we start with some botched travel plans, you know, Mary and Joseph on a donkey arguing about when they should have left the house to arrive to their destination on time. Joseph saying it's totally fine. Mary saying we're not going to find a hotel. He said, listen, it's fine. I booked it online. It's no problem. It's going to be just fine. She's saying, no, we should have left a half an hour earlier. He said, it's fine. Turns out it wasn't fine. They ended up in a stable. They were fine. It's very normal. It's very real life, but it's in no way, like, could we describe it as anything other than chaos? Having a baby with goats is chaos. It's not desirable. Even home birth people want it in a pool, not with donkeys, okay? Like, 
It's just like, it's just, it's just chaos. Think about the armies of angels showing up in the sky. Though that seems awesome when you're reading it, it's actually chaos and terrifying. Last week we described it as the first documented alien invasion. Because in the sky, armies from another dimension appeared. That's an- angels are from another dimension. The whole Bible says the armies of heaven showed up. But instead of storming the planet to take it over, they stormed the planet and started singing, which you did not expect from the tough-looking armies in the sky. And they started singing, peace on earth, Jesus is here. The, the irony, the contrast of the picture of the armies of heaven showing up to declare peace is not lost on us, but that started in chaos. The other thing that started in chaos is this earth, is this world, is this universe. We started in chaos. Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God, known as Elohim, created by form from nothing the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, or a waste and emptiness, and darkness was upon the face of the deep primeval ocean that covered the unformed earth. The Spirit of God was moving, hovering, brooding over the face of the waters. Now that phrase there, this is the amplified translation, so they throw in like a whole bunch of words to help us uh, understand because the Hebrew language is rich and, and vast and the English language is boring and plain. And so we, it takes a lot of words to describe one word, but that, that void, waste, emptiness, darkness, all of those words can be summed up into one Hebrew word, tohu. Turn to your neighbor and say, tohu. You know who, tohu, tohu. And that Hebrew word also means place of chaos and confusion. So what we can understand is that before Jesus shows up over anything, before anything is created and turned into order, there's always chaos. The world before it was formed was in chaos and the spirit of God was hovering or brooding over it, waiting for the words of Jesus to be spoken where life would spring out. Because Jesus takes the chaos and he always puts it into order. Colossians 1 describes the scene. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and he made the things we can't see. Jesus was there. The world was created through Jesus. John 1 gives us another angle into the exact same account. The word whose Jesus gave life to everything that was created in his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Peace is not the absence of problems or hostility. It is the presence of Jesus. Jesus speaks our chaos into order. I love this, this, this thought in 1 Corinthians 14 because I could talk about, I think we'll just let the Bible do the heavy lifting today. For God is not a God of disorder but of peace. <laughs> God is not a God of disorder but a God of peace. You see, I believe that the very places that you would define in your life right now as chaos or places of confusion are the very places that Jesus does his best work and he would like to get his hands on. Why? Because his specialty is restoring things back to their original intent and his specialty is taking our chaos 
And in a creative manner, in the same way he spoke this earth into existence with a creative voice and a breath, he wants to do the same thing into the areas of chaos in our life. You see, peace always comes out of chaos because God speaks the chaos and he puts it into order. Sometimes we're wondering, where's the peace? Where's the peace? Where's the peace? And we think that the peacemaker will come and bring peace first. No, the peace springs out of our chaos. And so as we move towards Christmas, if we move towards the coming of Jesus, celebrating the fact that he came, Emmanuel, God with us, I would invite you to open up your chaos in the places of confusion in your heart, in your mind. I would invite you to open those areas up to the peacemaker, Jesus Christ who speaks creatively with life and breath into every circumstance, into every situation. Now, this brings us to the business of finding peace, which we talked about last week, but we'll do a quick review and move into our next thought. Philippians 4, verse 6 was our anchor for last week. Philippians 4, verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything, even though most of us Worry about everything, pray about whatever comes to our mind at the moment. Tell God what you need and thank him for for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ. If you're worried about your heart, if you're worried about your mind, if you're worried about any of those things, if you feel like the world is crushing in around you and you need to you know, find some protection, that's the reason why in the Old Testament God was known as the God of refuge, a place of refuge, because where you find refuge is the same place that you find peace, and in fact, the peace becomes your refuge. The peace becomes your refuge. But it starts at don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Bring it all to Jesus. You are not meant to carry the worries and the burdens and the doubts that you carry in your everyday life. You were created, we were created in relationship to walk closely connected with Jesus. Where it was a two-way street, we say, listen, I'm worried about this thing. I'm worried about this. I'm struggling with this area. Could you help me? And it's this open communication, the same way that you talk to your mom and she just listens and go, okay, well, I think you need to get a better job is like the answer to like most questions. It's like Jesus is all of that and more because not only can he listen, not only can he bring comfort, but he is the answer to the question himself. The more we give it up to him, the more peace comes and it begins to protect my heart and my mind, which is the very reason why Matt and Christy could walk which in, through what felt like the valley of the shadow of death because they had the peace of God that surrounded their hearts and their minds to keep them walking because we understand that valley is just a shadow. It's not death itself. We just keep walking forward with Jesus. Now the idea that peace can can come and be in my possession, that I can walk in peace, that I can walk with Jesus is an incredibly freeing thought, at least to me. The fact that I don't have to walk through anything alone. And that even when I'm going through (laughs) pain or problem, even when I have doubts and insecurities, that the peace of God, because I have this peace and this confidence that Jesus is here and with me, that I can face those things with courage and a bravery that's almost not human because I have a supernatural peace which surpasses anything that I can understand, which allows me to walk into those very situations of life and take them head on. 
Now, it doesn't mean it's easy. It just means I've got a pathway forward. And Jesus is my path forward. As long as I stand behind Jesus, the Bible says, Psalm 37, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. So all I have to do is walk behind Jesus. And if I walk with Jesus, he leads the way and he clears the way. Just like a snowplow clears our roads in the midst of a blizzard. Jesus is the snowplow of peace. So if I now have this peace that resides in me, that lives with me, that gives me this courageousness and this bravery, and we understand that God's default setting is is generosity because God so loved the world that he gave, the greatest gift that he could ever give, his one and only son. We have to understand that whatever comes to me was meant to flow through me. So God doesn't want me just to hoard the peace. He doesn't just want me to hold on to it. He just doesn't want me to, to grab onto it and say, I'm just going to be peaceful. Because that's not a peaceful face. I don't know if you notice that there's a gr- Peaceful! That's not peaceful. You know what is peace? Is when you carry the spirit of peace and when you walk into the room because you carry the spirit of Jesus, when you walk into the room, you bring peace into the room with you. You might have noticed that when you walk into situations, you just seem to have this way of calming things down. That's the spirit of God at work in your life. It's not you, by the way. It's not your shining personality. It's just the spirit of God oozing out of you. And you might even have very simple solutions to overcome the chaos, maybe even in your office. And everyone's like wondering, like, where did you get that from? Like, I don't know. I can tell you, you got it from Jesus. Because it's the spirit of peace that begins to remove confusion as you walk into the room. Now, as you begin to remove confusion, those that wanted to create the confusion might have a problem with that thought. And so what you find is that when you carry the spirit of peace is that there is also this opposition that comes against peace, that comes that brings this whole new level of chaos and disorder. Every time it seems like it gets cleared up, it just keeps coming, it keeps coming, it keeps coming. Why is that? Well... The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy the enemy of our souls. Satan wants to come, and he wants to create chaos and confusion in your life. It's just as simple as that. All the good things of God, we talked about the goodness of God. All the goodness of God, all, the good, all those good things, he would like you to do without, mainly because he's going to have to do without as well. And so you find that when you walk in the spirit of peace, there's this default setting in the earth of chaos and confusion that we come up against. Ephesians 6 verse 15 frames this in an incredible way. This is the Passion Translation. Stand on your feet alert, then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. So along with the peace that will guard your heart and your mind, there comes a responsibility on each and every one of us that carry the spirit of peace, to bring peace with us. Peace on earth comes through you and it comes through me, empowered by the spirit of Jesus. The spirit of Jesus at work in your life causes peace to run off of you, but it says stand on your feet alert, then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. Now this sounds awesome, but we have to remember that this is talking about the armor of God. The, the armor, like the whole thing, which means this person is battle ready, but they're battle ready, ready to bring the blessings of peace. Why? 
Because every day is a grind. It's, a, it's you know, you say, oh, how's the battle? Well, literally, you're living the battle, but it's not against natural things. The Bible says it's against principalities and powers of darkness. So we got to be battle ready. But when we're battle ready, though, we have a sword and a shield and all those kinds of things. We, we stand at the ready on our feet alert so that we're always ready to share the blessings of peace, which leads us to a thought that I believe Miles embodies, but is found and spoken by Jesus in Matthew 5, verse 9, the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers. And notice the Bible doesn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. You notice that? Because the default, default setting is not order and peace, it's chaos and confusion. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. There's this moment when Jesus is being baptized and the dove comes down representing the Holy Spirit to rest upon him and God speaks from heaven, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And for anyone who's been around... Uh, church or the Bible any length of time. That's like a phrase that we almost like deeply covet or desire. God, I want to be somebody whom you are well pleased with. Well, the reality is just like any dad, like my son, Everett is great. Kingston needs Jesus in the worst possible way. I mean, we love him the same, but I don't know if I like him the same. And, uh, yeah, he just needs Jesus in a real way because he is not a peacemaker. You know, he's the exact opposite. But he, here's the funny thing. Like, I am well pleased at all times with my sons. I look at them and I'm like, man, I just, <clears throat> I just want to eat you up. <laughs> you know, like, you look at, like, we're in a two-hour standoff. But I, there's still that glimmer in your eye that I'm like, yeah. Yes, yeah, son, you go get it. You know, it's like, but just defer to me, but you can fight with your mom. It's fine. She, she's not in the room. Uh, but I just look at my sons. I'm like, wow, I just love them so much. So we have to understand that, you know, any good gift that I could give my sons just does not even compare to the gift of, of, of love and peace and, and, and goodness that God wants to give us. He wants to look down on all of us, and he does. Anyone who walks and is called according to his purpose, he looks down on us and he goes, wow, you are my son or my daughter in whom I am well pleased. But what we are given here is like, you know, not that I like the book The Secret, but this is the secret. Blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called the children of God. I want to be a child of God. I want to be loved by the Father in heaven. What, is it, what does that require of me? Well, if you want to be a child of God, you want to be called a child of God, you got to be a peacemaker. got to be a peacemaker. You're like, okay, preacher, move on. Like, let's move to the action. Okay, let's get into it. Peacemakers, what does that look like? Pe- love requires action, first of all. And peacemakers let love walk in the room. 1 John 3, verse 18, Dear children, let's, let's not merely say that we love each other. <laughs> let us show by the truth of our actions. Peacemakers let love walk in the room. 
We have to back up our beliefs with our actual actions. Otherwise, James calls us out in, in James 2. He says, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good deeds. Faith without works is dead. If we don't back up what we say we believe with good action, then we, do we believe that at all? And so we're called to be peacemakers and we're called to love each other and to put that love on display to demonstrate that love why because first of all love break down breaks down all borders and barriers you're like this sounds like you know like a love song or something on, on the radio well it's 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 true first corinthians 13 god says these three things shall remain faith hope and love and the greatest of these is love it was love that sent Jesus Christ down for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love is the general motivator in our life and it's the thing that begins to break down barriers. It is for love. It is for love that when you were dating your wife, you drove 35 minutes that way and you hung out for 14 minutes just to say hi at the end of work and to deliver a steaming beverage. And it was for love that you got back in your car and drove home another 40 minutes because you took the long way to savor the exchange that you had. And then you went to bed and you did it all the next day. It, it is for love then that we stand up and we realize, listen, I carry the spirit of love. I carry the love of Jesus in me. I also carry the spirit of peace. And a part of my responsibility as a child of God is to help Jesus put this chaos into order. To come and bring peace. And love requires action. Love came down. Jesus demonstrated it. So if I'm following his example, wow. The warriors of peace have arrived. <laughs> that when love comes down, it is incumbent on me to take the peace out. Proverbs 3 verse 3 says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. In other words, how are you described? What are the things that, that define you? Well, it's the things that are written on your heart, the things that are the things that define you. Let kindness and truth be written on your heart. How do we bring peace? I want to take a segue and talk about something that is ever-present reality in our life right now. I was on the Internet, the source of all truth. And I, I read this list of uh, 66 powerful leaders in Hollywood and in government and in leadership positions, corporate positions, that have been exposed for, well, exposing themselves or for harassing or for putting people in an awkward situation for harassing somebody far beyond just putting someone in an awkward situation, using their power and their position and their ability to manipulate and control somebody in a, in a way that they felt they had no way out. And so though it seems, you're like, oh, that seems very, like, we're not anywhere there. Well, I can tell you I was at a coffee shop last week, and there was a guy at the till who's actually a very nice guy, an interesting guy, but he started making some comments towards the staff that were there, and in that moment, which is very normal, very everyday, sometimes we hear those things and we just let them pass by. You have a choice to make. 
I'm either going to stand by and watch the person behind just receive these comments, which is clearly making them uncomfortable, or I can stand up and understand that as a peacemaker, it's going to require some action on my part to cause some peace to come back into that person's life. And I, I know who that person was at the till, and I actually know that it's probably not what he intended to do, but it doesn't change the fact that he did it. And so you have a moment there, whether am I going to respond or I'm going to let it pass by. It's very plain, it's very normal, but can I tell you, it's very supernatural. Because God wants to bring love, and he wants to bring peace, and he wants to do it through you. And so you stand up and you have an awkward conversation and you say something and it causes some tension. It causes even a little bit of chaos, but peace always comes out of chaos. And then it moves over and what you've done is you've affected two people because you stopped somebody hopefully from ever going there again and you've brought some peace and healing into the life of the person standing on the other side of the counter. You're like, well, that's very plain. It's very normal. Yeah, but we live in offices. We go to coffee shops. We go to stores. You live in families where these things happen all the time. And so we talk about spiritual things, but we never bring it down to where the rubber meets the road. And part of being a peacemaker is having awkward conversations to help bring peace into somebody else's life in the midst of a terrible situation. We have to stand up. We have to say something. We have to do something. We have to be a part of the solution. And in fact, I believe we are compelled by the love, the mercy, and grace, the compassion of Jesus Christ to be the first people that stand and say something and do something. And I'm not just talking about workplace, right? It means anything. It's the reason why we give gift cards to the Hampers of Hope for the Parkland Pregnancy Support Center because we are going to be the first people that respond for people who are in desperate need of help. We say, hey, I can help. I can help. There's an awkward situation. Say, I can help. I'm going to get in here. I'm going to make some peace out of this situation. That's good. You might be, you might be dreading your family dinner. I won't ask for a show of hands. But I can see in your eyes that there may be a few of you. Guess what? What if you looked at it this way? What if we understood that we weren't just called to go eat turkey, but the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers or the children of God, and you're a child of God. Therefore, it's your calling and your position. It's your mandate to walk into that room and say, I'm going to bring peace into the midst of this chaos and confusion. Now, I don't know how you're going to do that. You're going to need to ask the Lord for help on that one because your uncle's crazy. <laughs> but love requires action. Love requires action. Our faith requires us to take action. Do you remember that moment in scripture when religious leaders of the day grabbed a lady who is known to frequent the homes of many gentlemen in the community? They pulled her out into the street and they all had rocks in their hands because they were about to stone her. Now, interestingly enough, they grabbed the woman and not the man, right? Interestingly enough. Probably because there's a few customers amongst the crowd. And they brought her forward, and Jesus steps up and he says, Whoa, whoa, hold on. And in scripture, he bends down and he started, starts writing names or, or words or something in the sand. Now, we can all extrapolate and imagine what those things are. And he says, Whoever's without the first sin, cast the first stone. And they just dropped their rocks and walked away. 
Why? Because Jesus is a peacemaker and he did something in that moment, which is actually very culturally relevant right now. He stood up for someone who could not stand up for themselves, who was being really taken to task, about to be crucified for really the sins of the men in the crowd. I like to think when Jesus bent down, he started writing the customer list, which is why they dropped the rock. But Jesus brought peace into that woman's life in that moment, and then he turned to her and he let her know that she had peace with him if she would put her faith in Jesus. We like to think that peace and love and all these things are kind of universal constructs and these ethereal ideas that just float around. No, love and peace and mercy and grace is demonstrated through you and through me every day. The question is, am I going to answer the call to be a peacemaker? Why? Because blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God.